can start this. Hey everybody, Lou Zant. I'm here with Meredith Griffin. Hello. And uh, we're going to be kind of talking about crushing. Uh, both Meredith and I have a major crush on wine. And, you know, Meredith, the, the thing that, that compelled you and I to mm-hmm. jump in here and get after it, we were trying to, at the gym, Yeah. we were trying to find a good podcast to listen to when we were working out. Yeah, we were trying to, something educational, but yet fun, yeah. not talking over us. Yeah, interesting subjects. Yeah. And I've found a few, but the, not really many. There's not many in very limited and yeah. I also thought it was cool just because we've Lou has you have so many people you've met through wine country and you always take me to these great tastings and you introduce me to some really cool people that you've never heard of before and I thought what how cool would it be to introduce people to these very small you know small winemakers they're not the big they're not the big ones like Mondavi and like you know Silver Oak but they're making amazing wines with so much passion so yeah, like so many people request, you know, they want to come up and do a tour of the wine country. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, I don't, you, they can go and, t- and hit those big boys up and down 29 yeah. easily. Yeah. And those are great. Nothing. Oh, they're wrong good. With they, those. Yeah, a lot, most of them make terrific wine. That's why they became the names they did, yeah. you know. Yeah. But gosh, the little boutique artisan winemakers are so cool. And you know, these are there's practices in making wine that have been handed down through the ages, so to speak. Right. right. And it's missing in a lot of these big commercial places. And you know, I was thinking about it today at lunch. We did that terrific Syrah uh, tasting. And you know, when I lived back in Florida, we would host a lot of dinners with wines and stuff, or we would go to dinners with mm-hmm. wine, and you'd see mm-hmm. people that are, that walking in with, with a couple of bottles. Right, right. But you knew they stopped by the liquor store and got them. <laughs> exactly. You know, when we were watching today, the guys that were bringing their bottles into the to the <laughs> deal, it was their bottle. Yeah, that was so cool. We're like, that was cool. All these winemakers showing up with their bottles that... I've, I've a lot of labels. It's not one you're gonna go to the wine shop and see sitting on the shelf. But when we tasted oh. them, they were just unbelievable. And so different and unique. I mean, those similar characteristics to Syrah, but. And I'm so excited. We've got some great, great interviews from that lunch. Yeah, I coming up. I'm. We're hoping to get to introduce you to some really cool people that are doing some really. Uh, like you said, some things they're just going back to how wine used to be made, and then some people are being very uh, innovative and, and you know, some new things. To be honest with you, Meredith, we've just been lucky because we've been in a lot. You know, we're we're you and I are both very active in the wine country. We're uh, doing a lot for our education, and uh, you're about to sit for level three uh, next week. Ouch. Oh, get nervous! <laughs> yeah. Get nervous for that. And um, you know. I don't know how people could come and visit and ever get access to some of the people that we're going to do. So I, that's what I'm excited about this podcast. We're going to interview people that you usually, normally could not get to. Right. And you and I are always so curious. Like when we talk, when we have a glass of wine, it's like we're analyzing the dog out of it. You know? Yeah, I think both your wife and my husband are like, could we just drink it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> could we not have to talk about what the color is and what the aroma is and what we're getting out of it? Hey, Lou, 
So what was the wine? First of all, how did you get into enjoying wine? But was there a wine that just changed it all? Was a game changer for you where you just made you dive into it even more and want to learn more? Absolutely. You know, when I was in college, uh, I mean, if I had a $5 bill in my pocket, <laughs> I was rich. Uh, you know, I lost both my parents in high school and uh, was, you know, uh, just getting by there at Ole Miss and um, drinking Boone's Farm. And if you were a really, it was a really hot date, we'd get Matuse <laughs> and probably some Blue Nun in there. My you dad know. talks about those two wines, Matuse. Yeah, there, the, the the debate wasn't what what vintage. It was like, do you want um, apple or strawberry Boone's Farm? <laughs> and then later, uh, this was after we graduated. Um, my girlfriend had a a uncle that was a world traveler, really wealthy guy, and it was weird. One night, he came by the apartment and he put a case of wine on the floor, mm. and I looked at it. And he, he says you know, this is memorable. And it was a, sure enough, a, a 1971 Margot. And it was a wow. case of it, right? Wow. So I started tasting it and I do what everybody does in college. I called all my buddies. Right. We're going <laughs> to try this. this man. <laughs> and I thought it was Kool-Aid, you know, and, uh, right. but I knew then this, you know, there was a distinction mm -hmm. that their wine was not this Boone's farm and, and Matusse. And then, um, and it, you know, it was fascinating to me. Oh, a French, and you know, we've you yeah. we grew up. You always knew French wines. It was and, supposed to be the yeah. So it got it caught my curiosity. Yeah. How about you? So I grew up. My mom and dad enjoyed wine, so usually they almost that helps. always drink wine at yeah. dinner. But we're not talking Margot. <laughs> I mean, we're talking. I'm trying to think. Kirkland. Of some, same with it. Greg Norman. There probably was some two buck shock in there. Yeah. Um, and I never really enjoyed the taste. And then when I finally turned 21, and they were so excited. There was this big wine show that took place in Phoenix, and they were so excited. I was 21, and they could introduce me to this wine show. And they, I'm sure they were like, "Oh, she's gonna like wine." What was the wine that I ended up liking most? Peas, Porter, Riesling, oh. sweet white. My parents don't even drink white wine. So, but that was the start. Like that yeah. opened my mind up to wine and that was kind of my, what I drank normally. But then after we went to Italy and you, you go with a group of people and they just order the house red wine on the table. So I'm not going to be like, excuse me, could I get some white sweet wine over here? Yeah. And I drank it and I, it changed, that was it. It was in the, I couldn't even, I don't even know. What that's was why it. today you love Italian wine so much, I right? I love Italian red wine. It, that's Can't what, wait till Monday. Yes. We do that interview with I Italian know. wine. I'm super excited about yeah, the, that. Yeah, the mid nineties when the, when the whole dot com phenomenon was mm. going on and, mm -hmm. You know, if you remember, start, it seemed to me like starting them in 94, 95, the, the three big boys, the Opus, yep. one, uh, Camus, and Came. Silver Oak started so, releasing. They became the And man, lines. when we started drinking those, you go, there's something to these big California cabs. Yeah. And that, that got me into California cabs. Right. But in those days, you were paying 40, 50 bucks a bottle. That was a little before I was drinking those wines. I still might have yeah, not been were. legal. <laughs> Sorry, Lou. But yeah. <laughs> no, but it, I remember the first time we came to Napa, that was we visited Opus One. And just because I think we'd heard about to. Opus One, we had yeah. to do it. I mean, I... I won't say anything negative, but I mean, it was great. It was a good experience, but sure. now so many, those have become kind of the cult wines that they really have, you know, that, um, that 
Beckstoffer Tokalon that Judge Palmer made. Mm. I sat and enjoyed that bottle the other night when Sonia was at a wedding. And I don't know that it would be possible to make a better Cabernet Sauvignon than that bottle. That, especially at the price point they put that at. Holy it's a cow. great bottle of wine. So good. So one of the things that's great about doing this podcast, and I'm just so excited to have such a great partner as Lou, who knows Napa and Sonoma and wine so much, is I'm, I'm still learning so much about wine. And I came, one of the things that brought me to wine country is I, my background was exercise science and wellness, and I taught a lot of healthy living classes, wellness. And when I'm talking wellness, sure, exercise and nutrition is a big part of that. But, and I mentioned this probably in another podcast, but wellness is so much more. There's spiritual wellness, there's social wellness, there's environmental wellness. And I always have seen so many parallels between the wine culture, the uh, experience of enjoying wine with friends, and and wellness and how those interrelate. So when we're doing these podcasts and some of these people that we're meeting, I think Lou's picking so many great places to visit because they live that with how they're making their wine. I definitely think the people of Judge Palmer, we obviously know Chris Madrigal with Life in Balance. But we have this title, Major Crush. So one of the things is we're trying to judge, like, are we really crushing on this wine? Is Are we just kind of flirting with this wine? Is this an everlasting crush? A fantasy? A fantasy? A pass by? Is this one I'm infatuation? Gonna, yeah. Is this one I'm going to regret in the morning? Like, oh, yeah. What are, what are all the different crushes? But when I talk about wellness and I do the seminars on wine and wellness a lot, and I, we bring this up, the Wine Bible, and in that book, Karen McNeil mentions that there's nine attributes to making a wine great. And so these are kind of always in my mind. But when I do it with wellness, I also think these relate relate to people. So, you know, one of it's complexity. We're all very complex. You know, that's what makes us definitely people. We're mm. balanced, whether it's balance in... Um, we're balancing family, we're balancing friends, we're balancing work. Our, our or jobs, yeah. Or are we balancing like how we eat, how we exercise, how we take care of ourselves. Whatever mm -hmm. way it could be, there's balance. There's also, they call one there, it's like beyond fruitiness. We all have more to offer than just one component of ourselves. You know, like you might be a dad, uh, you might be a husband, you might be a son. You know, you have different... I love what that guy said today at lunch. You know, that famous guy from Rodney Strong, he said... He was tasting a wine. He said, oh, I don't like the older wines uh, as much because the these younger ones, which were 10 years, yeah. uh, they really express all of the attributes of the grape. Yes, You exactly. know, being a farmer, he that was pretty cool. I love that. Yeah, because it is. It's That's also one of the nine things is there's still that connectedness to like the place it comes from and the varietal. And I think of us as people. Yeah, we we're more than, to, a, more than a glass of wine. Yeah, and we always need to keep our roots. Like we yeah. always will have our roots of what, what, who we are and what made us and never lose sight of what the... We can evolve and become more but having those roots so there's i mean there's other things we could obviously i like her my favorite one that she has is the ability to evoke an emotional response and that's what i think of when that wine mm. makes me stop pause and go wow then yeah. i know it's a special wine and that's that's an everlasting crush <laughs> yeah and when you meet someone and that makes you stop and go whoa this person's deep uh, there's a lot to this person i'm looking forward to getting to know it know yeah. that person i'm crushing on them i'm crushing that's the wine i might dabble with a little bit more than just one time I'm yeah gonna hang on to that one. yeah 
but yeah, how what do you how are you going to judge our crushes? Because I'm yeah, I, I like it, you know, and and I think in wine there there are those. There's those wines that oh, I look forward to, you know, that you could just. You just, you, you know, the night, you know, what you're going to cook, yeah, you well, know, and I'm going to pop this bottle and, or the ones that, oh man, our best friends are coming over mm -hmm. and they love wine too. And that's another group that will just absolutely love this wine as much as I do. Mm -hmm. I like to have people that enjoy it as much you as I do. People who are going to enjoy it and appreciate it too. Yeah. You don't want to just open. And they're, if they're like, oh, this is nice and so no emotion to it, you kind of feel like you've wasted it. It happened to so me. Much. I had a 1994 Farnente and I oh. brought it to the to the bunker fire dinner. And oh. all of us had to bring two bottles of our oldest wines. Oh. And I mean, cool the wines idea. there were on Harlan. We had the 99 Schaefer that won 100 points. We had the 97 Silver Oak. And, wow. and there were 60 wines. And... Uh, it just, I said later, I said, I would much rather have 12 of these dinners over the course of a year yeah, and drink these these 60 wines over divided by 12 right. than have them in one night, you know? Because you and, can't, you don't get to appreciate and really yeah. savor them. It's a good And really when you've crushed point. on it that long on some of these wines and you get a chance to try them, you just want that to be an experience. I, I agree. <laughs> You know, Meredith, when we when we first started uh, creating this uh, Major Crush mm -hmm. podcast, uh, we were trying to maybe like grab a topic. We grabbed AVAs and dirt, right. which are so fascinating to us. It, and yeah, and there's so many hard to understand. Yeah, diverse ones here, and yeah, I don't think yeah. everyone understands. And it. how much the dirt literally makes the grape. It really does. It's a fabulous subject, and we're going to go deep into it. But you but, know, when we started talking to friends and acquaintances in the wine country that we do a podcast the reaction's been unbelievable yeah it's been, these people are excited they are because i think we're giving them an opportunity to share their story and tell us about yeah these great winemakers you know you think about it we get to see them they're in a barn yeah they're in the field they're in a lab yeah they never really have interactions with people yeah it's the people it's the it's the pe folks in the tasting rooms that are pouring wine to get the interaction with people, the pouring think, their wines. Yeah, yeah, and you just brought up such a great point: is they're they're in the lab, they're farming, they're doing that. I mean, if you really think about wine, it's not the being a winemaker is not sexy it's, and glamorous yeah. as people think it is. I mean, that's hard work. The sexy part is sitting around drinking it and talking about it. Right. But they put a lot of hard work into it for it to get to that point. Yeah, and and I think it's so exciting and. And how many times you and I have been in that moment when we're with a group from the industry and you're talking to a person and you're going, oh my gosh, this is the this is that lady that makes that wine. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Would I love to really crush on her I, on a podcast? Yeah. And they're going, I'd love to. Yeah, you're thinking, we'd love to come to, I, I drink your wine all the time. I want to come chat with you about it. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. So guys, you're really going to love this podcast and getting access to these people that we're so blessed to to run into and and, and bump into. And, and it's so exciting that they are so willing to get on this thing with us and share their information. I can't imagine where we're going to go. And, you know, our vision is to eventually, uh, once we get going, you know, we'll go to France and we'll hit different <laughs> regions in France. Twist and different, my yeah, arm. Are really going to have to do we that? We have to. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. a must. 
Got to and, share uh, all regions. Of, yeah, Spain yeah. and Uruguay and Argentina and Chile and some of those uh, find those hidden gems that no one knows about. Yeah, and like we, you know, as we said, it might we start out thinking it was going to be the dirty crush talking all about soil, but you kind of just like wine when it starts to flow and it takes a different direction. You just go with it. <laughs> exactly, like now we're sipping on this beautiful sparkling. Yeah. Wine that you brought from England. It's a sparkling wine from England, and I know people like England, but uh, the right? world's changing. Everybody's making wine now, and this has, I think, a lot more texture than some wine that's made in the same style <laughs> as champagne, same grapes, same style, but it just comes from a different location. Yeah, good blend of grapes. The minerality is beautiful, the softness, the roundness. I love this, this um, what was the brand on it? It is called Haddingly. Haddingly, that's very British. It is very British. British Haddingly. I'd like to hear Sonia say that. Haddingly. Yeah, she would do it way better than you or I, for right? sure. But yeah, well, you know me, I can't. I always am up for bubbles. You're always <laughs> up for bubbles. I love it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for taking a little time to get to know Meredith and Lou. This episode is a little out of order, but when you're pursuing crush-worthy wines in the California wine country like these two do, it's easy to jump in and start talking about what's in your glass. To keep up with Meredith and Lou, you can follow them on Instagram. Their handle is at MajorCrushWineCast. We'll be releasing more new episodes soon, but for now, thanks for joining us. 